Swim check one, two. Bike check one, two. Run check one, two. I think we're ready. Let's try this. Welcome to the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, a podcast where we explore the sport of triathlon from a variety of perspectives to help beginner triathletes on their journey. I am your host, Nashonda Shines. We're back. It's another edition of Try Beginner's Luck. And guess what? It's Women's History Month. So shout out to all the women who run the world across the globe. We do this. Yes, yes, we do. And I'm starting off the month with a banger in my eyes. I think she has taken social media by storm. She has the cutest way of connecting with people to make her so relatable no matter who you are, or if you're in sports or not, you can find something relatable and likable about this guest. Now, she's an Olympian. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she is really good at using all of her skill sets to keep us informed and encouraged. She graduated from Florida State, shout out to the Seminoles. And recently, she became a triathlete. Wow. She's known as the Fast Braid Friday Queen. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome to Try Beginner's Luck, Colleen Quigley. Colleen, welcome. How are you? Well, what an introduction. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> hey, I have to match your energy. You know, you come on with that <laughs> fire. So I'm like, I got to match this energy. That was incredible. Thank you. And honestly, that really um, is a good example of the energy that I have received from the triathlon world since joining this community. Everyone has been so welcoming and um, just excited to join, you know, have me join the community and have another person starting this three sport life. And so, yeah, just thank you for that introduction, but also thank you to the whole tri community for making me feel so welcome. It's amazing. And on behalf of the whole track community, <laughs> you're welcome. And we love welcoming in new people into the sport. I think I can tell. Ninety-nine point nine percent of triathletes want more people to join us in the quote unquote yeah. suffering. It, you, although it's not really <laughs> suffering, it's the fun. So we want to bring along friends, and so we're just happy yeah. to welcome a new friend. But listen, we're just gonna cut to the chase because you're an Olympic, an Olympian in the steeple chase why triathlon why now yeah it's a great question um I actually have kind of a tumultuous like history with running over the past couple years where a few years now where I've just um suffered a lot of injuries through my running training um and so triathlon kind of came about because I started doing all this cross training uh whenever I got injured um the first time it actually happened was in 2015, I, I turned pro that year, graduated from Florida State, like you said, go Knowles, in 2015, and I got my first major injury. And so I was cross-training and mostly just aqua jogging in the pool, which if any of you listening have ever aqua jogged, you know how horribly boring aqua jogging is. Oh my gosh, it was the worst. And so I was at the pool and I was seeing all these people swimming, and I was just like, I'm an athlete, like, I could do that. I mean, I never have swam before, like, other than to, like, not drown, but not, like, 
swimming for a workout. I've ne- I had never done that before. And so I just kind of like picked it up, kind of learned um, how to swim. I was watching YouTube videos and getting tips from like the lifeguards at the pool and stuff uh, and started swimming for cross training. And then I was cycling for cross training and stuff. And just um, over the years, all the different injuries that I had had and swimming and biking during those injuries, so many people would tell me like, you should do a triathlon. <laughs> and I finally was like, you know what? Uh, I kind of want to try. And so I got injured again this summer uh, or like last summer now, um, last June, I broke my foot at the U.S. National Championships in track and field in the steeplechase. And I just, you know, got frustrated. And in my moment of frustration, I said, um, I'm going to go talk to these people at USA Triathlon and see what the heck the deal is. And so I I did. I like kind of um, called them up and I was just like, what do I need to do? Like, I want to see if I have a future here. How do I know if I'm good enough to like try and make a team in triathlon? Um, and so that's kind of where my journey started. They sent me to a camp with other, um, people who were in track and field who were also thinking maybe this could be a career for me. Um, and so I got a coach there and started training like a triathlete and, and doing the the swimming and the biking with more intention before I was doing it. Like I was a runner who was cross training so when I got a triathlon coach, I started training as a cyclist and training as a swimmer and training as a runner. It's a very different, in my my experience, that was very different than being a runner who was cross training in different sports. And so I changed my mindset and I changed the intention around it was to like get better at cycling. And my intention was to get better at swimming instead of I'm just swimming because I can't run. I'm just biking because I can't run and I'm just doing this other thing until I can run again. And so I changed my mindset and changed my training. And then I just did my first race like a couple weeks ago now. So I guess now I'm officially a triathlete. Hey, <laughs> I've arrived. All right. So here How we about are. that? Here we are. Yeah. Okay. You set some intentions, you changed your mindset. And I just want to ask you, because I think people need to hear for those who've had injuries, you know, in Mm -hmm. thinking about ways to be more intentional, give us some of those things that allowed you to help guide your intentions and change your mindset. Yeah. I mean, it's been such a journey and there've been so many times where I just was like, this is rough, you know, like I, I don't know what to do. And I was felt very um on my own like anyone who has dealt with an injury or is dealing with an injury it can make you feel very isolated very um you know just very alone when especially if you have people that you normally train with that you can't train with because you're injured and they're off they're continuing they're doing their thing and you're not you know and that can that can just feel so tough um and so for me the the swimming and the biking was really um, a savior for me. And in that I could have an outlet for, you know, I consider myself an athlete. And I think anyone who does sport should consider themselves an athlete. Um, anyone listening to this podcast is an athlete. And so if you take that away, that thing that you're part of your identity, like take that away, um, that can just be mentally really challenging. And so I found different ways when I was in that kind of place to be an athlete. And it was different than I was, you know, normally used to, um, but I would have the outlet. um, And that was really important for me to do every day um, to, you know, at 
at some point in the day, I got to like feel like an athlete in some way. Um, and so I recommend that to anyone who's injured, if you can, whatever it is, whatever movement you can do. And maybe it's literally the only thing you're allowed to do is like yoga. Well then, you know, girl or guy, get yourself a yoga mat. <laughs> you are going to be doing some yoga. You know, you have to find a way to like feel, um, like yourself, even if it's just for like an hour a day. Um, or if it's just doing your physical therapy exercises, like that's part of being an athlete too. Um, but it's tough, you know, I can't sugarcoat it. It is definitely tough. But I think one thing you just said that was key that can definitely be transfer transferable is find something, even if it's an hour of the day to make you feel like the athlete you are. And I think mm -hmm. so many times we was like, well, I can't do this, but it's something that we can do. We just don't think outside the box but you're really good at thinking outside the box and not really taking for face value what you're handed. And I think that's what I appreciate about watching your journey is that you're like, okay, I can be this. And so, and mm. this is where we have, we have something in common when I'm about to say this as being a model, Ooh. being a oh, model cool. and an athlete. Right. And so yes. I think about, you know, times when you're having call times at random times of the night and having to make those call times, but still having to, uh, train and you have done it so well at a high level, especially in high school st that started. So I think that kind of helped to build your mentality of being able to handle anything given to you at any given moment at, without a notice and being able to switch and adjust and make that adjustment. Can you speak to that experience of growing up in high school and having getting opportunities to go to Patty and yeah, being totally. able to still train and making that hard decision ultimately at the end to say, no, I am going to run and modeling will have to fit in where it fit in. Right. Yeah. That was a big, um, you know, looking back, that was a big fork in the road in my life where um, when I was in high school, I was modeling at an agency in New York that I was working with. And then an agency in St. Louis where I was um, growing up where I'm from um and I was also running I was on the track and cross-country team and I really uh envisioned myself graduating high school and moving to New York and pursuing the modeling thing full-time I was working with a pretty big agency called Wilhelmina in New York and I thought you know I'm gonna be rich and famous and live this glamorous life right I was like this is so fun I had been traveling across the world during high school um, you know, to, like you said, Paris or the Bahamas, Turks and Caicos, London, New York. And for, you know, a girl from St. Louis, Missouri, who has two teacher parents, you know, who we did family vacations in the woods with our camper growing up. Like, so this was, that was amazing to me. I was like, this is so fun. And I learned a lot. Like you said, I learned a lot, um, just like life things, like going to castings, you know, presenting myself as a professional, um, traveling to London on a red eye and then getting there and having to go to a shoot the next, you know, that morning, like when I arrived, um, stuff like that, where like, it's an amazing opportunity to learn and um, experience things that I just wouldn't have had the opportunity to experience otherwise. Um, and definitely some things that I learned during that time that I was able to use, it's like kind of surprisingly, I guess, um, as a professional athlete, when I graduated from college and I started traveling the world in order to race. Um, but I had already been to London and Paris and, you know, I, I had done these things where I was traveling for work and it was definitely 
very different work. Um, but in both scenarios, I was traveling and then I had to arrive and be a professional and I had to use my body, uh, you know, for physical work in both in both scenarios um, and be comfortable in a new place um, and eating different food sometimes and, you know, all those kinds of things. And so I definitely use some of those skills later on, which is, like you said, like two totally different things, <laughs> but definitely was able to use some of those transferable skills, uh, which is pretty cool. But yeah, ultimately, I decided the running thing was what I really wanted to pursue and what made me feel like most proud and most fulfilled and um, just something that I felt like I could kind of put my like, I did that, you know, <laughs> like after I achieved something in running, I always felt like I did that. Whereas like in modeling, when I was like, you know, in a magazine or did an ad or something, it was like, yeah, it was cool. But like, I don't know, like. I have good genes. My parents, you know, met and got together and they made me and uh, here I am. I didn't have anything to do with that. Like, you know, I didn't really feel like as much pride or like um, fulfillment from what I did. It was fun. And you take it for that, right? It's like, it's a fun experience. Um, but the athletics part is like, again, genes involved. I have great genes for athletics too, but also a lot of hard work and dedication and sacrifice that went into like every time, you know, I achieved something, I felt like I did that. So that's why I ended up pursuing the running. It's the idea that for me, because I think being proud of ourselves, we don't always celebrate those successes. And so I appreciate that you do celebrate that. And I just want to touch on this because a lot of this is non-athletic related, but modeling, I don't think people realize the physical demands that it puts on your body. Mm -hmm. And people think they see the glamorous side of it, but they don't <laughs> yeah. see, you know, when you're contorted in positions for a photo shoot or when you're having to stand all day, you know, on television, like, you know, when I was doing live TV, it is... Mm -hmm. It is so you're shooting swimwear in November and it's so cold. cold. <laughs> or you're shooting parkas in June and you're like sweating and someone's like dabbing your forehead. <laughs> and having to look like, oh, I'm, I'm very cool. Everything's cool. great. Everything's, yeah. I'm, oh, yeah. So just wanted to put that out there for those who are interested <laughs> yeah, in the behind the scenes. A endeavor. It is a physical endeavor that's not always so glamorous, but the end right. result is very, very glamorous. Okay. <laughs> we decided that modeling was, we can always come back to it because we have those good genes. You decided to focus on running and I want to hit on steeplechase because I'm going to be, I, I was ignorant. I didn't really understand steeplechase totally, and not knowing yeah. that it was, uh, what is it? Um, seven water pits with 28 hurdles over 300 3,000 meters to run. Nailed it. Yes. That's exactly right. Because of Google. Thanks, Google. Yes. <laughs> Good research. Did a little quick quick search. That's intense. And then yeah. you have to run with wet feet. And I know a lot of people don't like running with wet feet. So I want to touch on that. What is it like to do steeplechase? And how does that compare to your new love of traveling? Yeah, well... It is very different, but since we already started talking about transferable skills, <laughs> excuse me, <clears throat> I will share that I actually used something that I use, in, a tool that I used in the steeplechase um, for my first triathlon. 
Um, so like you said, the steeple is uh, 3,000 meters, which is just short of two miles. Every lap you have four hurdles and then this like water pit that you jump over. You like step onto the hurdle and you launch yourself over the water. So you have in total 28 hurdles and seven water pits. You nailed it, um, which is chaotic. It's kind of like an obstacle course on the track. But I've been doing that for years, right? So I started steepling my freshman year of college, which was 2011. Um, so I've been doing that for 12 years now. I feel old saying that. Um, 12 years because now I'm 30. So I have a lot of experience in the steeplechase, but this is my first triathlon and I really don't have experience open water swimming. Um, that is growing up in Missouri, just something that, um, you know, I never had the opportunity to really do, uh, didn't grow up surfing or, you know, anything like that. And so I have been practicing plenty of swimming in the pool, but I only done a few open water swims leading up to my first race. Um, and I had had a couple of experiences with waves that maybe um didn't leave a good taste in my mouth should we say like I just got tumbled by a couple waves and was a little shook up by like mother nature and the power of the ocean and just realizing like I'm out here in the ocean you know plus you're getting I knew you're gonna get kicked in the face and you can't see the water is like brown you know you can't see anything you can't like in the pool you you can see everything it's much more you just feel like more calm being able to see but when you take the vision away and people are kicking you in the face and they're just you're like trying to I was stressed out okay I was stressed out about the open water swim and so I was talking to my coach the day before the race about just how I was feeling super anxious about the swim and um he was like we were talking through it and I was like he said something about the buoys and I was like the buoys yeah and I was like hurt like hurdles buoys like wait, I think I've got it. <laughs> and there's a trick that I use in the steeple where um, I don't, I really try not to think too far ahead uh, in the, in the race because the hurdles that we go over in the steeplechase are like big wooden barriers. So they're not like sprint hurdles. And um, we see like hundred meter sprinters jump over or 400 meter hurdles, hurdlers, they jump over these like metal um, hurdles that if you hit one with your foot, it like, it, it um, topples over. Um, our barriers are big wooden, like horse barriers. Like if you see a horse steeplechase race, um, if you hit the, the thing, it does not topple over. You will be the one toppling over, not the hurdle. And so you have to like be very intentional about every hurdle. And then also in the steeple, you don't have your own lane. So like any distance event, it's free for all on the track. You don't, you don't have your own lane. And so you don't always get a good sight at the hurdle. Um, oftentimes you're running behind people, those people on your sides and people in front of you. And often you can't really see the hurdle very well. You just have to like jump when the person in front of you jumps, you jump. Um, and I've gotten used to that. And I'm, I'm actually comfortable with that now. It's like, it's never easy, but it's like, that doesn't stress me out really anymore. Right. But I was thinking about how that's kind of similar to like the open water swimming where you can't really see and you're just like following the people who are in front of you. You know, you get on their feet in the swim and you're just like swimming and trying to do your best of like, you you know, you try and sight, but you just do your best. And so I was like, oh, yeah, like there actually are some major similarities here. And so in, in the steeplechase, what I try and do is I just take it one hurdle at a time. I try not to think about hurdle number 26 when I'm on hurdle number three, you know, because it's not helpful. I'm just, I got to stick, stay where I am. 
and do one hurdle at a time. Okay, get over that hurdle. Okay, now 50 meters coming up on the next hurdle and get over that one. And so that's what I tried to do in the open water swim. My strategy going in was, okay, I'm not going to think about the fourth buoy. I'm just going to think about the first buoy. Just get to the first buoy. Buoy's going to be on my right. Get to the first buoy. Okay, not the first buoy. Buoy's on my right. Next buoy. I got to focus on the next buoy. Got my right. Turn right. Okay, now that's number two. Next buoy. And I just took it one buoy at a time and tried not to think about buoy number four and getting out of the water and how I was worried about how that was going to work when I hadn't even gotten to buoy number one yet. Um, and so like doing tricks like that. And I think we can all take things that we've learned from other parts in our life um, and apply it to this situation where we might be feeling stressed or, you know, kind of um, nervous about something because we feel like, I don't know how this works. I've never done this before, or I'm not good at this. Okay. Well, what am I good at? <laughs> you know, what skills do I have? And how might I be able to use that in kind of a creative way here um, that could actually give me a leg up like all these women that I'm competing against. They've never done a steeplechase. They don't know what that feels like. And so maybe that's like a secret weapon that I could use um, in a scenario where I don't have experience actually at all. <laughs> um, and it worked really well. I think it helps me keep my like heart rate down a little bit and like ha- helps me stay a little bit calmer in a situation where I was feeling pretty stressed. Hmm. So you use some transferable skills, one buoy, next buoy, like you did in steeplechase. Now let's talk yeah. about the bike, you, your first bike in your real race. What was that like? Yeah. So the biking actually um, is my favorite part. I love, I found biking um, outside. I've been so before when I was cross training biking, it was always spinning like in a, on a spin bike inside. Um, like mostly on the Peloton. Um, and so the whole like cycling outside thing was new to me. And I started doing that in, I think it was like August or September of 2022. I like got a bike and started, you know, got the clip in pedals and started going outside on bike adventures. And immediately I was like, this is dope. Like, this is really fun. And I would go for like, you know, two, three hour rides and I'd have my snacks and my water bottles and um, I'd listen to music or listen to podcasts and I would just like route out. I would, you know, get my route. I'd set out my Strava route before I left and I'd load it to my bike computer and um, I was biking everywhere. This fall I went to Hawaii and I rented a bike and I did some epic bike riding in Maui. Um, I went to Canada with a sponsor, my, my Lululemon is my sponsor and they took us to Canada. I rented a bike there and did some epic bike rides there. Um, so the biking part was like, I couldn't wait for that. I couldn't wait to get out of the water and onto my bike. <laughs> and I knew it as soon as I got out of the water and I got into my bike, I would start having fun. And so the the bike was really fun. And I got into a bike pack where I was like rotating leads with the lead with some other um, women. And then I got off the bike and onto the run. And I and I was like, I don't know how this is going to feel, right? Like running is my thing, but I don't know what it's going to feel like to run after I just swam all out for 11 minutes and then biked for 35 minutes. Like, how are my legs? I don't know. That's a question mark for me. Like, I don't know if I'm going to still have my superpower or not at that point, you know? Um, <laughs> I was hoping I would, but I wasn't sure. So I uh, got on the run and I just started passing people like crazy. And I was like, oh 
yeah like this is now I'm like really having fun <laughs> so I just had to get past that swim portion uh and I started having some real what I call type two fun <laughs> type two fun so what's type one type one fun is like you know like normal normal people fun like oh. amusement parks and like you know sitting by the beach drinking mimosas like you're like having real fun yeah. and then type two fun is like endurance athlete three-hour bike ride four thousand yeah. feet of climbing you know that's type two fun <laughs> I love it I love it I'm here for the type two fun and type one fun <laughs> and type three fun if that's a type two so with that said I'm here for all the funs okay what was the distance of your race? Because it sounds like it was a sprint. And just so yeah. just give us a distance so we can kind of quantify your, you know, quantify it. Yeah, yeah. It's a sprint triathlon. So um 750 meter swim, um, 20 uh 21k bike and 5k run. Okay, okay. When did you know that you were gonna win overall your first race? Well, so I got, um, I got out of T2 and my fiance was there. He was yelling at me when I got on the bike, he was yelling at me how much time I had between me and the, uh, first place person. And I mean like yelling at me, like yelling for me, like he was my boots on the, not like yelling at me, but you know, he was yelling (laughs) for me, um, letting me know how much time I had between me and the leaders on the bike. So when I got on my bike, he's yelled 92 seconds. Um, and so I knew that was the gap. And then when I got on my running shoes, I wanted him to tell me what place I was in. So I got my running shoes on and I came out of T2 and he said, you're 17th place. And I was like, oh gosh, I've got some work to do. Wow. (laughs) Um, but by the, by halfway through, um, the run. So halfway through, there's three laps of the run and halfway through the second lap, um, I got into first place and I, um, it was actually really cute. I passed the, I got to the front and I was like, I think this is the first place person. Um, but we were actually coming close to like lapping some people. So then I was like, I think this is first place. And then there was a bike, a woman on a bike who was in front of her. And I was like, I think that that's the bike is the lead. Like she's leading mm-hmm. the race, you know, like, and so I was like, I think I'm in first, but I was like, that can't be right. Like <laughs> I can already be in the, you know, in the front. Uh, and so I did something that was kind of awkward, but I, I said um, to the woman I was passing who I thought was in first, I said, sorry to do this, but are you the leader? Like, are you winning? <laughs> and she was like, yes. And then she was like, wait, are you the Olympian? And I was like, <laughs> I was like yes. <laughs> you just messed up for a whole day. Like what? WTF. It was really funny. And I said, run with me. I just, you know, I just said, run, run with me. Um, but uh, yeah, at that point I, I was in the lead and then I, and then I was like, well, I hope I didn't like, just like really overestimate myself in the first half of this run. And I hope I don't just like, you know, just die a horrible death now, you know, like I think, I think I feel okay, but I got to the front way faster than I thought it would. So now I'm second guessing myself, you know, like, but it was fine. And then I actually, I had to serve a 10 second penalty um, before going into the finish shoot because I made a rookie mistake when I got out of the water and got to my bike. I um, took my bike, off the seat off of the little thing that it sits on and I, and I undid it and put it on the ground. And then I was like, oh, my helmet. And so I had to grab my helmet and put it on. 
but I served a 10 second penalty for hand. You can't handle your bike without your helmet on for safety. Um, and I knew that was a rule and I knew that I had messed it up. And so as soon as I did it, I was like, oops. And then I was like, I'm going to have to serve a penalty for that later. <laughs> but the fact that you had to serve a penalty 10 seconds and you still ran down 17 other people. That's still an amazing first race ever. Yeah, it was really fun. I had a good time. Um, I can't wait to do another one. I was going to say, so what's next on the jacket for you? Like what other races do you have this year? Yeah. Um, so now I'm kind of pivoting. I'm going to do um, my track season like normal um, starting in a few weeks here. And we'll start doing some track races and try and um, have a, a really good summer on the track. And then in my off season in the fall, I plan to hop into a couple more triathlons um, and continue my triathlon journey. And then um, so the plan kind of more long term is I still am trying to make the team in track for 2024 in Paris um, and go to another Olympic Games on the track. And then that'll be, you know, my kind of ultimate goal. And then um, my, I was kind of always going to be done with track after 2024 just because um, I'll be 32, I guess, um, 31, I guess I'll be 31. Um, and so I just figured like, that's probably, you know, probably the end of my track career. Um, but I thought I would just move on to something else after that and, you know, start doing, um, I have interest to like be an a sports agent or do some um broadcasting or sports marketing stuff like I've had lots of ideas of like my second um you know my second part of my career but then this triathlon thing makes me actually feel like mm, maybe I'm not done being an athlete um maybe. so I think I might try and pivot over to triathlon after the 2024 Olympic Games uh and see if I can't make a team in triathlon for 2028 so that'd be kind of fun but who knows I'm open Answer. to I'm open to it. You've answered my <laughs> questions because I was like, so are you going to still do both? What are you going to do? But you are so good at this. And I do think you have a future in whatever you want because you're going to be absolutely fantastic. With oh, that I appreciate said, you. No, seriously. I mean, you you answer questions so well within a question. And I'm like, dang, all my homework is done. Damn. <laughs> but that's what we have to say about that Tallahassee connection. You know, something about them, that heat, them heels between FAMU and Florida State that that's we right. just know how to get stuff done. You know, that's right. answer questions. You know, we've done it. We've we've been there. We've done that. And exactly. You know, just the best dope college town ever. Okay. That's right. Um, wow. Okay. I know we need to wrap this up because we're coming up on time. Again, outside thinking about having to, um, I hear that you have a fiance, right? So how did you manage a long distance relationship training for the Olympics and balance all of that while still maintaining your relationship? What was that like? Yeah. Um, Kevin and I have been together since high school. So um, we have been together for thir yeah, 13 years now. Um, so we've, you know, seen a lot of changes and gone through a lot of changes um, on both ends, both of us have. Um, and so I just, yeah, I feel really lucky to have someone who's been in my corner for so long, knows me so well, he knows me better than anyone else um, and can support me in a way that no one else can, like not even anyone from my family really 
um, understands me the way that he does because we've spent so much time together. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, just even the story of that he woke up at 4.30 with me for Triton Man. We drove down the day. He drove me down the day before um, so I could put my feet up while we drove and woke up at 4.30 and, you know, had all my, he was staying there with all my stuff while I went to go warm up on the bike, warm up my run, then go get in the water. When I came out of the water, he's ready with my gel and my water bottle. And like, he's, you know, that's Kevin. He's just like always there to help and support. And um, he's not an athlete, so he does um, finance. He's started his own company and uh, works from home. So um, that's also amazing for me because if I go to altitude and Flagstaff where we have um, high altitude training he comes with me um, and then you know when I am here in LA he's here with me um, now so he's just an amazing support person I always um, just feel so lucky that I get to to lean on him because I do so a lot um, and any you know any person who's an athlete especially I feel like in triathlon like you need help it's crazy how much support you need to do three sports um, and, and help in so many, you know, different, different ways. Um, but he's, yeah, that amazing support person for me. So I know that I could not, could not do it at the level that I do without his help. So that's amazing. And of course my coaches too, but yeah, takes a village. It really, it takes a village to try. And I'm glad that you pointed that out because sometimes people don't know how to support a triathlete because they haven't participated and, you know, sometimes it's easy enough to ask, or sometimes just do your best and fill in the pieces. And then as you do it, the more you do it, you get better. And so shout out to Kevin and shout out to you guys for maintaining balance for 13 years, which isn't easy. Um, yeah. Last question before we go into rapid fire, fast break Friday. <laughs> wow. Like, you know, that is gaining so much attention and attraction and people are so related and they look forward to your fast break Friday post. <laughs> Tell us, how did you come because the name is switched. So tell us how the how it has evolved into Fast Break yeah. Friday. Yeah, well, I'll try and quickly tell you the story. It um, started quite a few years ago now. And I have my hair in a braid today, and it's been raining today. So my hair is like a total rat's nest now. Um, but so it started a few years ago. I have been braiding my hair for like forever since I was, you know, a young girl um, doing dance and soccer as a, as a kid. And so I started um, calling it um, French Braid Friday. It was like, uh, God, I don't even know, like 2017, maybe 2018, probably 2018. Um, and so I would do this every Friday where I would braid my hair in different styles. And I would call it French Braid Friday because I love the alliteration of all the Fs, FFF. And so I was doing that and it was super fun, but people obviously were doing more than just French braids. It was all kinds of different braids. Um, and so it kind of became confusing that it's like French braid Friday, but you know, you want to be, you want to be kind of considerate to, there's lots of different types of braid styles and they ha all have their own names and you can't call certain braids French braids if they're not and just that doesn't seem right and it didn't fit right with a lot of uh feel right with a lot of people and so I took that kind of not criticism but I, I took that um you know information and I was like okay well how do I make this more inclusive to all kinds of braid styles so that anyone can feel like they can be part of this because it's not just for people who look like me or have the same hair as me I wanted it to be for anyone who enjoyed 
putting a braid in their hair, whatever the style that might be, because it made them feel a certain way. And for me, the braid is about a feeling. It's like when I braid my hair, I want to feel confident. I want to feel like I'm going to go tackle this long run or I'm going to go take on this speed workout or this swim time trial, you know, whatever it is. And I got my braids in in order to do it. And so I was like, how do we do this? And I had a friend who she was actually the one who came to me and said, like, like, yo, this thing you got, I see what you're doing, but we got to figure out how to change the name. Um, and I was like, all right, how, like, I thank you. Um, how do I do this? This person was a black woman. And she said, like, you can't call cornrows French braids. That was basically her thing. And I was like, all right, I hear you. Like, you know, what should I do? I want to continue the French braid Friday, like, vibe. But obviously, we need to call it something else. And she came up with, what about Fast Braid Friday? And as soon as she said that, I was like, bingo. Like, that's what it should have been all along. Because that's what it's all about is not necessarily the braid style, but the feeling. And if it makes you feel fast, then you you have fast braids in. Like, that's perfect. And so I scooped that up and took her advice and we changed it to Fast Braid Friday. And I feel like it actually took off even more after that. Um, because I think it became more clear, like, what it was all about like what the purpose was behind the movement um and so I still do it I post myself in different braid styles every Friday and like all throughout the week I'm always wearing braids it doesn't have to be on Fridays but I just like alliterations so we've both got it on every Friday um and when I go to races now um actually at Triton Man there were some people who yelled at me while I was running um I do Fast Break Friday every week. <laughs> I was like laughing while I was running. I was like, good job. <laughs> Fast Break Friday. Yes. So, you know, it's something that I just feel like we have a lot of fun with and it brings, you know, brings people into like a community through something as simple as hair. Like it's just hair. It doesn't really matter, right? Like it doesn't actually make you fast, um, but it makes people feel like they're part of something and um, can unite people in a kind of fun way. So. Absolutely. And hair is the crown and glory in some cultures. And yeah, you know, it's so powerful what our hair can do. And it is important. I we're having a good hair day, you know, like today is a yes. good hair day. Or if it's a not a good hair, hair, hair day. day. <laughs> Listen, it matters. It matters. It matters. Listen, you know, you know, men often have it kind of easy. Or at least that's what we think because it's reverse roles, right? right? And it's just like, you had that bad hair day. It's like, everything is just messed I up know. in your life. Bro. Mm -hmm. You don't have your mojo. You don't have yeah. like, I want the, the Fast Ride Friday thing is like, I want you to stand on the start line, whatever your start line looks like with your shoulders back and your chin up and you're just like, let's go. Like I got my braids in. I'm ready to take on this challenge knowing that it's going to be tough. Um, but I've got the the tools I need to, to give it my best, like whatever that it could be like walking into a boardroom or like walking into a business meeting or walking into your boss's office to ask for a raise. Like it could be anything that you feel like you need a little bit of extra mojo to like psych yourself up for. I love it. I love it. And thank you for listening to, um, and being an ally in that moment and being an ally to be yeah. I appreciate that. I know we're going into rapid fire, but I just have to let you know how I appreciate you choosing values over sponsorships. We didn't get a chance to touch on that, but I see you rocking uh, Lululemon and I know you're 
proud of that. And, you know, <laughs> I just say, I want to continue. I wanted to encourage you to continue to stand up for your value. So many people pick the dollar versus what they value and how, you know, organizations make them feel about their acceptance. And so I think your movement, whether you know it or not, is infecting people throughout the world yeah. and uh, throughout generations, because I think you, you, you hit a couple of di different generations, you know, whether it's millennials, Gen X or Gen Z, you have a very relatable appeal. And, you know, when it comes down to sponsorships, especially when you're in need and wanting money because you mm -hmm. need to survive, you know, to be able to stand up and say, hey, you don't want me for all of me. You can't have me for any of me. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. So shout out to mm -hmm. you on that. Thank Rap you. Rapid fire. Well, and oh, I ahead. will go just ahead. say, and it's not a correction, but I will just say that a lot of people think that um, I signed with Lululemon that I'm going from, for anyone who doesn't know the whole story, I, I went from Nike. I was sponsored by Nike for six years. Um, and when my contract expires, expired, I went through contract negotiations with them and we could not come to terms on um, what my value was at that point as an athlete, you know, monetarily, but also like what my value that, you know, that's a way that we show that so we can show value to you know, a human's like value to the company. Um, but monetarily we couldn't, we couldn't, um, agree. And a lot of people think that I, you know, went to Lululemon and must have, um, taken kind of a pay cut in order to join that team because of like that, you know, I love their team, which I do. And I think that they're amazing and they're much more diverse in every way, shape and form, um, than Nike was. But to be clear, I did not take a pay cut to go to Lululemon. In fact, I make more than I did with Nike, which is incredible. Like Nike wanted to give me less than I um, had made with them coming out of college. And so when I walked away from them, it was because I knew that I was worth more than that. And actually, when I walked away from them, I hadn't talked to Lululemon yet. Um, I actually didn't have anywhere when I walked away, I didn't have anywhere to walk towards. I was just walking away from something that um, wasn't a fit for me anymore. I just knew that wasn't going to be right for me anymore. I didn't know where I was going to go yet, but I said, I'm not going here. And so in order to like open myself up to new possibilities, I had to make a, that move that was at, you know, at the time it was very scary. I didn't know that Lululemon was going to scoop me up and take good care of me the way that they have um, for going on two years now. So at the time it was the, the vision I had was I am jumping off the deep end right now. And I don't even know if the pool has any water in it. It could be empty. <laughs> like I have no idea, but uh, there's a bear, you know, something. <laughs> so I have to jump. And so I jumped and then shortly after that, I started talking to Lululemon and I was like, oh my God, like this is a dream come true. I didn't know this was even a possibility. I didn't know that, you know, that you guys would want to work with an athlete like me, but like you're everything I ever could want. Like this would be, that would be amazing. Um, and then to have them say, yeah, we think you're amazing. We think you're, you're worth this much. And I was like, me, I think I'm worth that much too. Like, thank you. <laughs> you know, like we were like on the totally on the same page with just everything and so I just wanted to clarify that like you know I knew that I was worth more than um you know Nike thought I was and so it's not that I you know had to 
take a pay cut in order to be with this amazing team. In fact, you know, I'm making uh, way more than I was before, but I had to like have that scary moment in order to be here to like understand that I could walk away and have nothing at all. Um, but I had to risk that in order to find out if, you know, if I, what I believed was true was actually true. Which so that was kind of a long winded answer, but I just wanted yeah. to like clarify. But it took courage. And you still chose your values. At the end of the mm -hmm. day, you chose yes. your values. Yes, and exactly. And courage. And so whoever's listening who needed to hear that right now, <laughs> choose you, your values. Yeah. And you never know, you, you could be jumping into a deep end with no water. Yeah, But yeah. you will move forward and you will be rewarded for, your, for that obedience of yeah. just honoring yourself. Wow. Listen. Okay. And how, Ask. I can't even, how many times have I looked back, looked back and thought, oh my gosh, if I had stayed there and kept doing that and stayed with the, the team I was with and stayed with the coach I was with and stayed with my Nike, like, and the life I live now, I'm like, I, it gives me like chills to think about that. Like what I'm doing now is so different than that. And if I think about how I, would feel if I was still in that situation that I was in like it's like a whole different life and it's yeah, yeah I just can't even like overstate how different my life is now because of that one decision it's mm. all it takes is one so thank you for your courage all right fast and furious yes rapid fire hit me <laughs> uh what is it called uh rapid fire look I forgot what it was called rapid fire <laughs> I heard you like to listen to um, music or podcast on your long rides. So what's your favorite music artist? Uh, my favorite artist right now to listen to while I ride my bike is Kygo. I just, everything, his, his Spotify, just um, shuffle Kygo is just totally a vibe to me right now. Damn. Favorite podcast? Hmm. Actually, I'll shout out since this is a triathlon podcast. I just uh, met a new friend in LA the other day, and he hosts a podcast um, with a couple other pro triathletes. It's called That Triathlon Life. You know that one? I, I do know That Triathlon Life. Okay. I so just met um, Nick Goldston. He's one of the hosts. And I was like, oh, I've never, I'm new to this whole world. I was like, I never heard that. So I listened to an episode um, and it was really cool. They have Paula Finley is one of the hosts and she talked about one of the questions that one of the listeners um, submitted was about periods and how she deals with her cycle as a pro athlete. And she addressed it on the podcast and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Not so sure how I feel about that, that since this, this is also a triathlon podcast. Although <laughs> this is more of a generic for everybody podcast, but you know, if you're we'll on a three hour bike if you're on a three-hour bike ride, you're going to need multiple podcasts. That's true. That us. is true. <laughs> but you know what? I feel like, you know, there's room for everybody. So yeah, shout out exactly. to that triathlon life. Um, I'm taking this from you, what you did on the red carpet. What type of potato are you? <laughs> so many people have asked me that since that video. Um, I'm going to go with Noki. I think Noki would be my potato product of choice. Mm -hmm. potato of choice Appalachia Parkway Monroe Street or Tennessee Street for running or just in general just in general <laughs> um I guess Tennessee Street it's like a Hanuk. 
like oh. Tennessee. I have a lot of memories, Tennessee Street. And uh, I may get this wrong. Um, <laughs> what would you order if you went to Guthrie's right now? Oh my gosh. Don't judge me. I've never been to Guthrie's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you found that out at the end of the podcast. Otherwise, this might not have happened. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a moment. I'll give you a moment. Yeah. yeah. You've never got a gut box? Ooh, <laughs> just like, oh, I oh know, God. I know. What about um wait, what about Momos? I don't think Momos were around when I was there. Pizza slices as big as your head? The pizza slices were like this big. We used to have pizza eating contests at Momo's. No, oh, okay. But Guthrie's is such a universal staple. Like anybody mm. leaving someplace on Tennessee Street went to yeah. Guthrie's <laughs> at two a.m. in the morning. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, I never did Guthrie's. I only had a few nights that were like ending at two a.m. in the morning. I was, I was were. pretty dedicated. I had a couple, but I think we would just do like McDonald's or something lame. Yeah, yeah, that is lame. That is lame. I know. Yeah. With, that, <laughs> with that said or done, I can't ask you my other infamous question that we ask on here. Like, do you uh -oh. pee on the bike? Because uh, you, you're you just getting into it. Mm, yeah. But... I did pee in my wetsuit. You did? Yeah. So part of my warm-up. <laughs> so part <laughs> of your warm-up was peeing in your wetsuit. I mean, like, during my warm-up, I did. I I put it on, and then I was like, I asked one of the other girls there. I was like, what happens if I have to go pee now? Because I can't take this thing off and put it back on. She was like, oh, no, you just go pee in your wetsuit. And I was like, oh, okay. So oh. when we were out there, they let us out in the water to warm up. And it uh, warmed up for like 10 minutes or something in the water. And I peed. Well, welcome to triathlon. Yeah, You're thank official. you. You've peed in your wetsuit. Thank you. Soon, maybe you'll pee on your bike. But either way, you <laughs> are here and we welcome you. And we look forward to seeing what you will do. Continue doing what you do. And we have this saying, whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win. So Colleen, thank you for Aww. taking the courage to try something different. Like you're already at the top of your game in one sport and yet you're like, why not have fun? I think this is what it's all about. And as women, it takes courage to try and to do things differently. And so I thank yeah. you for stepping out and doing all those things. Hey, it's Mashonda. Be sure to follow us, try <laughs> beginner's luck, like us send us questions, do all the things and be sure to follow Colleen. If you haven't followed her already, she is definitely exciting to follow. We appreciate you guys. I'm Mashonda and we're out. Peace. Thanks Mashonda. Thank you. You're the sweetest. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. We need your help so we can continue to try at TBL. So for more information on where you can find and subscribe to this podcast, visit www.trybeginnersluck.com. And don't forget, whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win.